date of recording, the 14th of December, 2022. Welcome to episode 75 of Let's Talk Media with Vedant Akari. For today's episode, we're talking about the portrayal of disabilities. And my guest for today is Miss Megan Hanley. Hey, Megan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me and congrats on 75 episodes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so with that, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, no problem. So hi, my name is Megan Handley. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, I am currently a senior studying for a dual degree in writing and television at Ithaca College. Um, I am very happy to be here on this episode today as I am a disabled person. Um, I have had Crohn's disease since 2009, um, which is an autoimmune disorder that affects the gastrointestinal tract. Um, I also have ADHD and I have a brother with autism and I have alcoholism in the family. So I'm familiar with all different kinds of disabilities and very passionate about their representation in the media. So I'm really happy to be here to talk about this today. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Like I know we talked about disabilities previously, like we had like an offshoot conversation when COVID was really bad and you mentioned your immunocompromised and you talked about how people just were not taking COVID seriously and how that put you know, people like yourself at extra risk. So I just feel like you're a good person to talk to this about. No, I really appreciate that. And yeah, COVID was definitely experience, an experience. Uh, it still is an experience. Um, yeah. Have you had COVID, by the way? So questionable. Um, I believe I did. Um, however, I tested negative every single day when I thought I had it. Um, However, I did get so sick, I ended up going to the ER to be checked that I had nothing else wrong. Fortunately, I was fine, but the doctor was like, verbally, I'm diagnosing you with COVID, even though everything's been negative. Um, so I think so, but I still don't really know. Um, however, I've been vaccinated now five times. So. Oh, wow. You're like, yeah. you're like pentuple. Yeah, I don't dose. even, don't, don't ask me what the word for that is, but it's a lot. Yeah, and I mean, I got COVID like right after graduation because I don't think most people are wearing a mask and I just flew back home, felt really sick. And I said, I, I tested positive for COVID and I talked to my other friends and they were like, oh, we all, everybody got COVID at graduation. Oh, so many people got COVID at graduation. So many. Mm -hmm. Yep, but graduation is over, at least for me. Um, so hopefully not again. Hopefully not again. I'm hoping to be able to walk the stage in the spring. Fingers crossed that happens. Yes. And so you briefly touched upon disabilities before, but uh, do you want to possibly elaborate on why the perception and depiction of disabilities is so important to you? Yeah. Um, so even before I myself was disabled, I have a younger brother with um, autism and he is nonverbal um, on the spectrum. So he is a rather visible case of disability, but there is also um, invisible disability, which is what I deal with, Crohn's disease. If you looked at me, you would not know that I was sick, um, which I think is something that makes the stigma a lot harder because you don't really, you know, you don't expect it. Um, but I've just grown up with a lot of people of different abilities, and there is just such a major lack of representation in the media. It is absolutely insane. Um, the statistics are, show that about a fourth of people in the United States are disabled, um, and a fourth of media pieces don't have disabled people in it. And when they do, the disabled people are used for plot, which really mm -hmm. bothers me, instead of just having a disabled character and it's just a thing, you know? Right. 
Um, so yeah, disability and disability awareness is really close to home as I've dealt with it with fighting for my brother and rights for him and finding jobs for him and making sure he's comfortable and happy, but also just fighting for myself throughout academia and jobs and making sure I'm understood and making sure that I'm not either being brought into the company to fulfill their disability quota or that their understanding of, hey, if I need to take a day off, it's not because I don't care about this job, it's because I really can't come in. That's really difficult when you have an invisible disability is you might look fine the day before you call off and then people mm-hmm. will be like, oh, you're faking it. You're definitely not sick and things like that make all of it very difficult. So, yeah, I, I agree that uh, most there are a lot of disabilities that are invisible, like you wouldn't know looking at you or somebody else that you have a disability, because I feel like when people think of disability, they think of like a physical disability, like somebody who is, for, for example, a wheelchair user that, or somebody who uses hearing aids or. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. For a hundred percent. And um, I deal with that a lot because I recently in the past few months, I um, acquired a handicapped parking pass because I got surgery in August and I was dealing with a lot of road bumps in my journey with my health uh, overall the year before that. And one of them being chronic fatigue, just because of what your body is fighting. And I was just having a really, really tough time getting across campus. So it was a um, an accommodation that I really needed that I felt really guilty taking, because the stigma of disabilities, you should be able to see them, makes me feel like I don't deserve the accommodations. <laughs> and it's also always a fear of mine that I'm going to take the handicapped parking spot and someone's going to be like, that's definitely her grandma's. She stole it. Like, it's always a fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and since we talked a, l- a lot about media depictions of the disabilities, I was wondering, have you done any work or projects about disability representation? Yeah, um, I have um, an article. Actually, I interned with Bookster.com last year, and I have an article up about um, five things you should look for in disability representation to determine if they are good. Um, So that's one of the projects I've done. I've also done some research on it just in my work at Ithaca College. And overall, the research has been overwhelmingly that it is underrepresented. So I'm sure that's not surprising to you. No, but yeah, that's great that you're able to, you know, help out with the research work. You know, you're contributing to something that a lot of people tend to overlook. And again, uh, if you're comfortable with sharing, are there any ableist attitudes that you have dealt with? Oh, definitely. Um, I won't name names, of course, Um, but I had to drop a major class my first semester at Ithaca. Um, I got pneumonia. I missed an entire week of class. I was so sick. I was like literally hallucinating. It was crazy. So that that's one thing with the Crohn's is I get sick all the time because the meds I'm on are like near immunosuppressive levels of chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, whoever's listening, we had to reschedule this because I got the flu. Uh, it's just these are just things that happen. Um, so anyway, I got pneumonia my first ever week of classes at Ithaca College in 2018. And the professor told me because I couldn't make their office hours that I basically should drop the class. I couldn't make their office hours. I couldn't make the TA's office hours. And I literally walked out of school and just cried my eyes out because there was nothing I could do. Um, And then I went up and talked to someone in the dean's office who put me in another section. And that professor um, gracefully caught me up and is now one of my greatest mentors. So everything happens for a reason. Um, But I think that's my biggest example. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry I had to go through that. It's all right. Honestly, uh, like I said, everything happens for a reason. Um, and the professor I was placed with um, has provided me with other opportunities and is wonderful. So that's great. And I like how you mentioned, you know, 
like you were immunosuppressed, immunocompromised. Um, and I was actually talking to, I think she's a physical therapy person. And she told me that in the medical field, people think about whether even cancer should be considered a, a disability because, um, you know, they're immunocompromised because of the oh, chemotherapy. It 100% should be. And cancer is a whole other topic. I mean, my um, partner's mother is going through breast cancer right now. Unfortunately, she has her last chemotherapy this week. So congratulations to her for that. Shout out Helena. Um, she's doing amazing. But for her to gain disability and compensation while she's out of work is very difficult because it's like a temporary disability. But she is severely immunocompromised. There was a few weeks there where she couldn't drive because of what the chemotherapy was doing to her body. And that the lack of support there is crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, congrats to your partner's mom on beating cancer. That That's awesome. I, Thank you. I will pass that to her. Thank you. Um, and so just broadening the subject, so what are some of the most common depictions of uh, disabilities that you have seen? So one common depiction that is very harmful is the dis disabled person as either violent or the villain. Um, so for example, if you look at the last um, adaptation of um, Roald Dahl's The Witches um, with Anne Hathaway, she has, I believe, four fingers. I know she's lacking in fingers and she's kind of deformed and she's the villain. Um, and that, you know, is not an outward connotation, but you would think, oh, this deformed person is the villain. Like deformed people are not evil. <laughs> they are not no. witches. Um, they're just people. Um, think of, and you can also put that on the flip side and think of a classic story like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Quasimodo is just a person who deserves equal rights, but he's like looked down and pitied for his disability. And Personally, I feel very uncomfortable um, when I get pitied for my disability because it's just how I live. Um, I look for equality and understanding, but not pity. Um, so pity in the media for disabilities is definitely a big problem. Um, one of the worst representations I've seen recently, oh my God, what is that movie called? Terrifier. Ter yeah, Terrifier, I've heard about that. Terrifier, so it was an unrated movie. It was just made to be super gory and in the beginning, one of the, this is literally the first 10 minutes of the movie. So a spoiler for the first 10 minutes of 2016 Terrifier. Um, the, one of the main characters is, or like one of the main characters who survives this attack opens up and is going on a talk show. And she's like viciously deformed from what has happened to her. Mm -hmm. And the talk show host that she's about to talk to, she overhears this talk show host basically talking horrible about her and saying how god she'd rather die than look like that and this deformed girl goes and gouges the host's eyes out oh my god that just bothers me so much because why would a disabled person take out that like i understand being angry at her but they're not going to act violent like that right. makes no sense and just because you mentioned physical deformations like also villains in tvs and film tend to have scars a lot of the time yeah definitely and i, I think honestly scars can be very positive things um mm -hmm. i really like my scars i actually recently did photos with my boyfriend who is a photographer of my scars i am looking to get a, a tattoo over one of them to embellish it i think they could, should be, could be things that you should be proud of i think scars c can be used correctly but are often not Let's say there's a character with like one big line across their face that like proves why they're angry at the world. Mm -hmm. Sure, um, I would be angry at the world too. I sometimes am. I think it's fair to say that, you know, that sucks. 
but that doesn't mean someone's going to turn into a villain, you know? No. And it's just such an easy way for people to write villains, and they don't really think about how that can make the actual disabled community feel because they're so underrepresented that people are not thinking about how they're going to be feeling when they're watching these these movies, these shows, listening to these podcasts, these audiobooks, reading. Um, generally, the community is just not thought about, which is something that we really need to work on. Exactly. And um, we have an outline for the listeners. And for an example of bad representation, you have Captain Hook. And I believe he has like a physical disability. Would you be able to get into that? Yeah, he's just got a hook. I mean, that's just his hand as he lost his hand to the croc and he's a villain now. I mean, I I just don't think it's another thing is like your disability led you to become a villain. That's just not that's not realistic. But um the other bad representations I've mentioned, like Terrifier, um, any disabled character who is going to be pitied, all things like that. Mm -hmm. I think there is also another extreme, uh, like opposite of that, and that is inspiration porn. I'm sure you've heard of inspiration porn before. I, I have. So inspiration porn for the listener is basically when you depict people with disabilities as being inspirational um, in order to inspire able-bodied people. It's like, oh, if this person with a disability can do this, why can't you? That sort of stuff. And I feel like that's very problematic. Yeah, and on that note, another thing that is problematic is individuals with disability overcoming the, that disability and being more powerful because of it. Um, that's something that could be known as the super crip, which is basically they overcome mm -hmm. their disability to become more heroic. I think that further stigmatizes disability because it's just something that everyone lives with and we're not heroes for overcoming what our bodies have thrown at us. I, I would agree that people with disabilities are strong and resilient, but that takes of like people getting obsessive or like loving stories like the fault in our store stars where people have cancer. And I love that book personally, actually, but anyway, that in itself can also be harmful in a way like as if to say, before you have purposefully tried to push against your disability or, or disability or overcame it, you aren't a hero, which is not true. You know, no. when you're, let, let's say you're in the thick of battling cancer, you're not, I would say you're more heroic then than if you overcame it. You know, you're, you're working through your struggles to, to still live a normal life. I just want to mention a quick example. So after um, Stephen Hawking passed away, there was like a drawing showing him in the afterlife. And in the afterlife, it shows him being outside of his wheelchair, like he can walk and stand again. And again, I think it pushes a harmful message that in order to be happy, a person needs to overcome their disability. Yeah, and that's definitely not true. I mean, of course, there are moments in my life where I'm like, I would so much rather not have Crohn's disease. But at the same time, it's also made me who I am and given me so many opportunities and um, helped me try to bring a voice to others who aren't. Um, I'm currently working on a novel where one of the big centrals is a character with a disability. Um, I have a lot of examples of good disability representation, and I, I think it's, I don't know, it's important. People just write disabilities as a curse, and like we said, it shows that people with disabilities are incapable of living happy and successful lives, even though, you know, you are writing a book and you are graduating college. Like, yes, you have Crohn's disease and what have you, but you're able to live life, you know, some obstacles here and there, but 
you are able to, you know, still be happy and and successful in your um, school career despite that. Yeah, and I mean, not everyone who has a disability is going to hate the world and hate their life. I mean, sometimes it's just how you live. I don't really think about it. Like, there are certain accommodations that I take in my everyday life that don't even feel different to me at this point you know like I make sure my anti-nausea meds are always in my backpack I make sure my EpiPen is always in my backpack I also have very severe food allergies um, I always wear a mask at the grocery store it's really not that big of a deal for me um, I always carry Tylenol I always make sure that when I'm out to eat that I'm sitting on the end in case I need to leave to either get some air get a med get some medicine use the bathroom those don't make my view of the world pessimistic those don't make me want to hurt people they don't want me right me a villain you know that I don't want you to pity me for that it's just a different way of living, which I think is why the term differently abled has been used a lot instead of disabled. Um, I'm personally not sure how I feel about that term. I don't know if you've read about that conversation at I all. I have not. Um, I'm not like for or against it. Um, I just don't think the entire change to differently abled is necessarily necessary. <laughs> necessarily necessary. That's very silly. Um, but I think saying differently abled doesn't acknowledge that disabled individuals are still disabled you know mm -hmm. it, it comes from a good thought process of oh differently abled that means they just have different abilities or have different needs true definitely true um but i think remembering that disabled people are in fact disabled is very important to make sure that they still get the, the accommodations that they need but that shouldn't be seen as like a hassle or that they're less of a worker um not to get political for a second, but a very relevant topic. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania and our, one of the um, politicians who was just elected was John Fetterman. Mm -hmm. And John Fetterman just had suffered a stroke before the right. election. A lot of people are saying he's not going to be able to do his job because he stutters through speeches. Even Biden has a stutter. He, he does. Um, and people are like, look down on him or say, oh, I literally saw a tweet the other day that that had retweeted a, uh, an article about how John Fetterman was going to have to have speech accommodations. And someone said, oh, so he can't do his job. Great. I'm like, that is so ableist. Um, just because he's had a stroke or needs to use an accommodation does not mean he's doing his job any less. It's just a different way of doing his job, which is back to why I think differently abled is coming from a good, a good, a good mindset, um, good intentions. Um, I just overall, the fact that disabled people need accommodations needs to be in the forefront um but that shouldn't make you see think any less of them it just should be something that's normal like kids having a water bottle at school that's mm -hmm. technically an accommodation you know yes um yeah you made some very good points there about what is it called Dif different abled is that what it's called yeah, differently abled so people some um people in the media were discussing not using the word disabled anymore and using differently abled I feel like also when I when I personally see a lot of disabilities in the media, it's usually white people, uh, which is a general problem. It's just a very oh whitewashed industry. Such a huge problem, and and access to care is heavily influenced by that. Um, I mean, getting a diagnosis for people of color can be so so difficult, especially for invisible di um, disabilities such as like autism or ADHD. The those neurotypical neurodiverse not neurotypical, neurodiverse um, disabilities um, are hugely underdiagnosed in women. So that's a start. Yes. Um, I was not diagnosed with ADHD until I was 21. Uh, and I think it would have changed my life if I knew about it um, as a kid. But um, 
yeah so true so true yeah and i agree like i i know like most of the guys i know who have adhd were diagnosed when they were young kids or even preteens teenagers but a lot of the women i know were diagnosed when they were in college so i definitely agree with you that learning disabilities attention disabilities are diagnosed fewer in women than in men I think a bigger problem to the whole conversation is that people want to very easily put things in boxes and mm -hmm. have things be black and white and disability is never, ever going to be like that. No. Uh, so take ADHD, for example, you're looking at the rowdy kid who is like loud, interrupts sentences, is not very good in school, but I am none of those things. <laughs> um, I'm loud. I'm extroverted for sure. Um, but I had a 4.0 in high school. Um, I loved school. So no one had ever thought of that for me. But there are different presentations of every single disability, which makes the portrayal much more interesting, which is why I'm surprised disabled characters aren't used more, because I think it's fascinating to learn about how different people live, you know? Um, so why this is not, we don't have more disabled characters doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so I want to switch gears here about actors. So do you have any thoughts about actors without disabilities portraying characters with disabilities? <sighs> um, it depends. Let's take it to the extreme example of like The Fault in Our Stars. I think mm -hmm. getting someone to play Hazel Grace who has cancer would be very difficult. Um, not because there aren't any actors with cancer, but because when you have cancer, you feel like shit. Hopefully I can curse. Sorry if you're fine. <laughs> okay, good. Um, you feel like shit. Uh, chemo is terrible and hard. So like that makes sense. Um, but let's look at another terrible example of that Sia movie um, where. Yeah, that movie. Maddie Ziegler, I believe, Ziegler, um, who played the autistic character. And that is just so, so harmful. Uh, do you know how many actors are out there with autism? So, so, so many. Um, and recently, um, I can't remember the name because I haven't watched Glee, which is terrible to say because I'm a huge theater kid and I, I know. Um, but the one character on Glee who uses a wheelchair said that if there was a revival, he would not come back to play it because he knows now that the character should have been played by someone in a wheelchair, um, which I think was honestly very courageous of him to admit that that was a mistake. Um so there are good and bad things. Also, the Wicked movie coming out has just casted Nessa Rose as someone who is in a wheelchair, which is a wheelchaired character. And the um, on Broadway is never someone who is in a wheelchair, ever. Um, so we're making strides. It's slow, but that, that's the majority of my thoughts on that. Right. And again, I'm not saying they can't. It's just you have so many actors and actresses who have these disabilities. So I would prefer to have them you know, play these characters and it's just going to be more authentic in my case. Like, are you a Breaking Bad fan? I have seen it. I have. My my friends are very, very big Breaking Bad fans. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Walter's son, uh, Walt Jr., is actually played by somebody who had cerebral palsy. And so I feel yes, like... I remember. I mean, he had a milder form of cerebral palsy, but still, you know, it's just it just came off as more authentic because, you know, he was able to interject his personal experiences uh, to a certain extent into the character and it it really showed yeah i totally agree or 
Um, there are other times that um, actors with disabilities, their disability is then written into the character. Um, take Gad Matarazzo and Dustin on Stranger Things. Um, he has a disability. I can't remember what it's called. I'm terrible. I apologize. Um, and that was not something that was in Dustin's character. But technically, Dustin is a disabled character um, because Gad Matarazzo is disabled. But that's not something that was ever planned for the character. And Dustin, amazing character. Love that show. And also, have you seen a, a Quiet Place? I have, I have. Yes, and so uh, the younger daughter, like she's deaf in the film, and the actress is also deaf in real life. And so uh, John Krasinski had like ASL interpreters, I believe, on sets to talk to her, and he, I think he actually learned ASL. And again, actually casting a deaf person to play a deaf person that was really authentic to me. Yeah, definitely. And she, I'm sure, had more experiences that added depth to the character and wonderful movie. Great example. Um, there are also some other just great examples of disability in general. Um, I know that you had originally written down Davy from Never Have I Ever regaining the ability to walk. Yeah, terrible. Um, although you can get partial paralysis from like an overcoming of grief and anxiety that mm -hmm. happen. Um, on the other hand, a wonderful example is the sister of, oh, I can't remember his name, the guy that she's absolutely in love with. Anyway, the sister's name is Rebecca, and she has Down syndrome, and she's just a really cool character on the show that people like. Very easy thing to do, you know, just include a disabled character. And for good examples, like, I have uh, Toph from Avatar. Have you seen Avatar? I've only seen the beginning, which my boyfriend is on me about, so I'll have to watch the rest of it. Um, so Toph is an earthbender, but she's blind. And so she's able to like see the world um, through earthbending because she like uses like, I don't know, sonic waves. Like she senses the sonic waves in the ground in order to visualize the world around her. It's kind of like Daredevil in some ways, like heightened senses. And, you know, of course, Toph is blind but it doesn't like define her character that's what i yeah, yeah. sense um, yeah and i think that's really important is, is having a disability be an important thing but not a defining thing one thing i think of which is this is a a book um i still consider books a form of media so i hope that's okay that is media um, the series is called illuminate by jay christoph who i've heard is problematic which is unfortunate and amy kaufman um amazing series um one of the main characters in the second novel is named Ella and she's in a wheelchair. Um, and it is barely mentioned besides the fact that it's a thing. Uh, it's not really like a detriment to her character. In fact, she is a very major player in the plot of that book and how things turn out. Um, and it's just, if anything, it makes her stronger, um, but not because she's trying to overcome it because she's learned from it. Another great example, very minor, is um, I don't know if you've seen Turning Red. Um, absolutely. I've heard great things about it. I heard oh, is it the character is it the character who has type one diabetes? Yeah, yes. Um, it's there's just people in there are kids in the movie who you can see wearing Dexcom patches, which is like checking your blood sugar, the, the patch on your arm. I believe that's what that's called. I hope I'm correct on that. Um, and that was just such a casual representation um, for someone with diabetes to see that, I'm sure, was like, wow, look, you know, there I am, which I think is so, so important of having that wow, there I am moment. Like, um, take the new Little Mermaid, um, the, the reactions of small black girls to seeing a black Ariel brought tears to my eyes. Me too. 
you know, just watching them going, she's black. She looks like me. She looks like me. I think everyone should have that moment. And I can't think of very many for disability where it's like, oh, she's like me. And then again, I mean, obviously disability is such a big spectrum. There's never going to be one person that matches an exact disabled person's experience. But right. we all will have a level of understanding with each other that will still bring that representation like so, so much joy to so many people. I also want to talk about how you mentioned that these are people who just so happen to have disabilities. Like it, it's not their entire character, which I think is very important. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, because that's how it is in real life. You know, I'm not just a, I'm not a disabled, I'm not just a disabled person. I'm a, a media creator. I'm a daughter. I'm also a disabled person. Um, I'm a girlfriend. I'm a writer. It's just like one of those many things that I am. It's not like the main factor, which is what disability representation in the media often gets wrong. And a majority of the time gets wrong is they're thinking if they put a disabled person in their content, I'm generalizing they of just creators put a disabled person in their content, it has to be part of that character's plot, which is totally not true. Um, there are times where Crohn's is not a part of the plot of my life. Uh, it's not often, but there are times where I'm in remission and I'm just taking my meds and living my life, you know, um, and that's common for many people with disabilities is it's just something you live with. It's not not a part of your plot. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we're getting at the end here. So if you had to summarize what needs to change in how we portray and perceive people with disabilities. I think in general, the idea of diversity needs to change because when you say, oh, let's do diversity, people think race, gender, and sexuality and don't think about accessibility. And while all of those three things are very and vastly important, so is disability, especially because of just the amount of people it affects. Um, there's actually a wonderful Nielsen article out now. Um, it's called Seen on Screen, The Importance of Disability Representation. I highly recommend you look it up. Um, but it says 1 billion people worldwide are members of the disability community, which is an insane amount of people who are technically disabled who are never represented on screen. And everyone should be able to have that moment of, oh, they look like me, they have experiences like me. It's just so powerful to see stories that, stories are everything. That's why I went into writing, that's why I went to TV, is to be able to connect with people, share experiences, and without disabled people in the media, you're ostracizing a huge population. So hopefully we can work to better that and have stories where everyone is included. Hopefully, and again, we touched upon this earlier where if you're going to write somebody who has a disability, don't make that their entire character. That's yeah, very important. Exactly. Uh, it's an element. Again, it can be a trait. It doesn't have to be part of their plot. I think that's the biggest thing to remember. And if anyone listening needs help with a disability representation, I would be happy to help you. Um, feel free to hit me up um, at Meg Handles on Instagram or Megan E. Handley at gmail.com. I would be very happy to help you um, as far as writing disability representation, although there are also tons of wonderful resources out there on the Internet for you. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're at the end here. And so do you just want to quickly shout out where people can find any of your writings on disabilities or even your upcoming book that you're working on? So the book is in major drafting stage, so that's not going to be there quite yet, but hopefully one day you'll see it on Barnes and Noble shelves. Um, for now, you can definitely add me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is either Megan Handley or you can read my articles on bookster.com. Just look up bookster.com, um, Megan Handley, and you'll see all of my articles. Um, and like I said, at Meg Handles on Instagram. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've read those articles, and that is Bookster without an E. Yes. Um, and so, um, Megan, any final comments, anything we missed that you want to touch upon? Are we good? No, I think that's it. Just uh, remember when you're diversifying your table, make sure everybody can get there. Like we said way earlier, don't do like a forced diversity quota. Like it has to be genuine and authentic. For sure. All right, Megan, thank you so much for agreeing to be on episode 75 of Let's Talk Media. I really appreciate you taking the time, especially because you just finished your second to last semester of college. So congrats on that. Thank you. Penultimate semester. It's it's bittersweet. Yeah, I hope you have an in-person graduation. Thank you. Me too. And thank you for having me. And congrats again on 75 episodes. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for being here, Meg. Of course.